You have been sitting in here since 11.30 this morning. What do you say? You and I go out, eat too much, drink too much, get a little stupid. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now, this is going to take several years, as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are and even if you have some trivia to disclose. Our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com and we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's get started. Again, in the middle of, you know, a kind of a tense scene where you're finding out if he's really cheating or not, and this is one of your main characters and all this stuff, you've got something, just humor out of nowhere. I know, exactly. Yeah, hard to get humor in a situation where we're following Maddie's dad to see if he's cheating. Yeah. Um, and again, but, he, does yeah. His stoo- he does his Stooges impersonation yep. at the end of the phone call. Right. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yes, because he finally got it because he tried to see from the elevator what Flory was going to and run up there. That didn't work. So he tried to ask for it. The guy wouldn't give it to him. And so he pretended he was the valet. Very clever. Very clever. Very smart. And also got her father out of the room so he could go to the room and knock on the door and not be seen and find out who's in there. And so here is... To me, the second most amazing thing about seeing this episode in 2022, and that is when she opens the door, she's age appropriate. I mean, now that is cast as a 20-year-old blonde, and it's a ridiculous thing. She was age appropriate. And, you know, how cool is that from a casting standpoint? I don't know. I thought that was really, really cool. I actually didn't remember that part, like her opening the door. I didn't think we ever saw who the person was. I thought he just got him out, saw the door. But then I was like, whoa, I really liked that. Did that stand out to you guys or? Yeah, did. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You would normally expect a younger blonde. They were basically all the same age. And um, this woman, she was, I recognize her from um, Murder, She Wrote. And Mm -hmm. she was, she was married to, um, you know, Richard Levinson and William Link that did Columbo and Murder, She Wrote, all the mystery things. She was married to him. She was in Murder, She Wrote and Columbo and she was in Murder One. So that's where I recognize her from. But you're right. Yeah, she was yeah. perfect for the part. I also, I thought she wasn't as beautiful as Eva Marie Saint. Well, who could be? 
I know who could be, who could be, but it's kind of like, uh, yeah, she's age appropriate and, you know, doesn't really hold a candle to his wife. And, but yet he's bringing her out there, which is an interesting choice. But, and then this whole sequence where David does his joke, bad joke kind of thing. And the mood shifts to him really now knowing that Maddie's dad is cheating and he has to tell Maddie and he just feels really bad about everything. And mm-hmm. of course, what a great shot, him walking down the hallway from behind and you hear thunder and it just helps shift the mood. And then we go to Maddie and she's closing up shop and packing up to leave and the lighting again, that blue lighting. Well, yeah, I, I wrote down the lighting. That was one of my notes. And to do the scene in the frame doorway, that takes so much work. And again, going back to how horrible television is now, some network executive would say, I want to see Bruce and Sybil. They're the two best looking people on TV. You want to see them, but putting them in shadow Mm -hmm. makes so much, ah, and they never, you you don't see Maddie's reaction. You never get that. And it's all from the side. You're putting it it on there. It's all happening with mood. And it's showing how, you know, we've talked about writing and, and now we're talking about directing and lighting. It all was the best. It's not just two hot people solving murders. That is not why Moonlighting is famous. It's so much more than that. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't that the back cover on the album, them in that doorway? I really think on the back cover, one of the pictures, that's where it comes from. One of the pictures is, yeah, them. Because it is beautiful. I mean, had I thought about it, that might've been the back cover of my book, but I like Uh, it. I got, but I mean, it's such a great shot of Dave and Maddie. Yeah. I put that on a t-shirt once. <laughs> um, I love how she, when she um, turns off the lamp, when she's sick of waiting for him, she turns off the lamp, starts walking, and that's when the silhouette begins, and then you've got the blue background in her office, and then she walks yeah, out. and shadows. That's yeah, and, and probably darker lighting than another show might do. I don't know. Game of Thrones is practically all in the dark, but um, <laughs> you know, for a minute, you don't even see her face. She walks into the shadows. But yes, when she goes to the door and she swings it open and that whole here you are kind of thing. Also shot on film. And that is a harder thing to do to not let those black, the blacks that are in the shots get pixelated. Mm. It takes a lot of work. And, you know, I had talked to, um, I'm trying to think who I had this discussion with. Um, It's funny that I can't think of him, but he's the guy that directed the most episodes and he directed the episode where they have sex. Alan Arkish. Alan Arkish talked about how the reason this was the best lit show was because they had time to light. Sybil weren't coming to set. Yeah. Yes. But you can feel that in this scene, but it's so character based, you know, it's, it's fitting what we're watching. And I'm going to be honest with you. Cause I know you guys can take it. Like I teared up at that scene. Like I really, I mean, I did again at the end when Sybil cries with her dad, but them in that frame, really, I felt it in my heart. And I was like, my God, just two seconds ago, I was laughing at David being the, um, the valet. And now I got a lump in my throat. That's incredible to be able to do that that quickly. Yeah. You actually felt like you were in the room with them 
Yeah. And yes, I, I think it's one of the best scenes, acting wise, lighting wise, everything was so beautiful. And again, when Sybil and um, Glenn were watching it, they just commented that it's all in a master. No close-ups, no over the shoulder. You're, yeah, you're not seeing all the emotion on their face. You are getting that side view. And, you know, he said it just puts more pressure on the actors, which just shows what a great job, you know, besides the writing, besides the lighting, besides all of that, it's just the acting. And you do, you feel the emotion, you see the chemistry. There's just like something bouncing. That's where, you know, the whole chemistry and something bouncing off the screen, something happens between them. That's where you see that just so clearly in scenes like that. Yeah. Two other actors, you may not get that same chemistry. You wouldn't see that. There wouldn't be that extra element in the scene. And it's beautiful how he knows he has to tell her. He doesn't want to tell her. Everything is done with restraint. It's like, you know, look me in the eye and tell me that you followed my father all day. Mm. I did it, Maddie. And what'd you find? I think your father's a good man. And she knows. And he knows he has to hurt her and tell her that. And what she does says it all. She just kind of walks away. I mean, what, what do you say? All very, it's like perfectly done. Perfectly done. And yeah, I think they would spoon feed the audience a lot more these days in a scene like that. or it would be more explicit, you know. They just did it perfectly. Yeah. The yeah. less words, the better sometimes. With good actors, you don't necessarily need a lot of words. Yeah. I think your father is a really good guy, you know. What does that mean? It means I think your father's a good man. And what does that mean? It means what it means. Look me in the eye and tell me you followed my father all day. I did it, Maddie. And? I'm sorry. And she leaves. He, he kind of follows. Um, and then the next scene is um, they're in the car and they're all dressed up and they're going to the restaurant to meet them. So it's kind of like you've just found out this awful information, but still you have to go and meet with the parents and your life still goes on. If you're allowed to say about that they have the conversation in the car and then they obviously must not talk to the elevator opens. I thought it was a little weird that he says it's 920 and then they're going to dinner. I mean, I know you've got to be like cosmopolitan, but that's a <laughs> late dinner. Mm. Yeah. Why do you think uh, such a late dinner? I mean, I think they made a little mistake because it's weird that it happens right away. I mean, Maddie changes her outfit totally, a new hairdo. Like they don't end up to the restaurant with the parents till 1230. That's why he says, where you been? Because it is midnight by the time they get there now. (laughs) But I, I think like maybe are we supposed to believe there's a day in between there or something? But I don't think there is. So, but it's fine. We don't, we're not going to bust their chops on that. Well, there are a couple things. I have another question. When she, when she meets her mom, she says something a couple nights ago, her mom says a couple nights ago, and we're thinking, you know, this is the next morning. So yeah, it it is a good question. When now are they going to dinner? Is it that night? No, wait, you know what? It's not that night, is it? Because the wedding is that night. So it has to be the the wedding was the night. No, the wedding was the night of the, when they first came to her. When they got there. Yeah. And okay. they said, how about tomorrow night? Okay. We go to That's right. Yes. It is later. It is later. It is later. I, mean, I suppose if we, we could say that maybe they went to dinner twice. Maybe <laughs> they went to dinner and then another day happens because her mom does say a couple nights ago or whatever. But again, we don't, it's fine. 
But there is probably a time problem in this episode, but. Yeah. There's a time problem um, in a lot of episodes. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's already dark when David comes back to the office. Well, he says it's 920. He's like. Oh, he said it was 920. Oh, oh, that's what I'm saying. And then she changes, gets a complete different hairdo. Yeah. Yeah. That hairdo is not a hairdo that you do yourself either. There's no way. Well, Mr. Pesto came by the house and <laughs> yeah, and did her hair. And, and did her hair. And there is a time problem there, unless it was the next night. Right. I'm going to go with it was the next night. Yeah. It, it's the next night. See, my mind also goes to being such a moonlighting nerd. When they're at the office, she leaves the doorway and then he kind of follows her right after. So does he catch up to her at the elevator? Do they talk more about it? Does he drop her at home? You know what I mean? Uh, I'm always with the car. And all of that, you know, they, they have that one car he's driving when they're going to dinner. Like, did he drop her off? Go change. Come back. I don't know. <laughs> I'm always thinking of the logistics of. Right. Yeah. What happened after they left that door frame? Because. So, I mean, it's almost like they kind of play it off like he hasn't seen her and they haven't talked about this since the door frame when she's in the car and she's looking out the window and he's trying to get her attention and get her to say something. But she's obviously really upset. Now, we got to talk about David's rant about lying. Um, Yeah. It might be my favorite one. I mean, I know he has a million of them and and it's crazy, but I was surprised that was in that episode. But I think about that all the time when he's like, when someone asks you, how are you? And you're like, you say, fine, not I'd rather be at home with a five pound bag of Oreos. And it's so true. I mean, David Addison, it's so smart. Mm. like he he really knows what life is about and i love that whole rant about lying yeah and i love the it's pinocchio's nose time yeah (laughs) i mean everything he says he's right you don't and you know and i like the inside of maddie i do not lie right we know she lies yeah she does lie so you're lying now maddie but he's right yeah every you know little white lies all the time no one's ever telling the absolute truth all the time. You have to go through life telling lies to some degree. Yeah, and it's, it's a lot of fines in this episode. I counted them. But oh, how many? it's set up for the next scene when they go to the restaurant and the mother is just fine. Maddie, she's fine. She's just fine. You know, so how many like fines seven, are I think there? there was like seven fines. <laughs> All five, six, seven, yeah. So that was a good setup for that. Can I just go back, please? Um, you know, when he offers to be her detective in the office, yeah. does her accent, her Memphis accent come out there when she says, well, I mean, it's a personal thing? I didn't notice it. Yeah. It might, though. Yeah. She, got, she sort of said it's a personal thing. You know, it's, it was more like a southern Oh, well, I'm not expert on accents in America, but it just sounded, it didn't sound like Maddie. I think it was a Sybil moment. I'd like to be your detective. Well, I mean, it's a personal thing. Hmm. I you didn't, I didn't hear one. it. There and are definitely times where Sybil slips into her Southern accent. I didn't catch it either. I didn't hear it, but um, I'll go back and listen. Um, the other thing was, David says, It's not like you're sending me out to buy your underwear. I do this for a living. But he has bought her underwear in knowing her. Uh, yeah, her nylons. True. I thought about that too. That did go through my mind, I have to say. 
And there was a really nice moment where he's offering to help her and then he has to bring it down a notch and, and he says, you know, do you have any preference for the photos? You know, yeah. satin, finish, colour, black and white. And I love her expression there when she goes, you just couldn't let it be nice, could you? You just couldn't do it, you know. It was just one of those moments where the writers love spoiling it mm-hmm. <laughs> just to get us all excited about a moment and then you fall flat on your face. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. For the sure. other thing was he walked out singing the Globetrotter theme. Right. So what is that? Is that? Um, yeah, it's yeah. called Sweet Georgia Brown. Oh, Sweet Georgia, Georgia Brown. Brown. Yeah. It's been their official theme song since 1952. Yeah. The other thing I thought was hilarious, and you might think I'm a bit silly, but when they're in the car on the way to the restaurant and he's talking about the five-pound bag of Oreos and you say fine, so he gives her an example of when you go into work and someone asks you how you are. What do you say? You say, I'd rather be home watching Lucy eating a five-pound bag of Oreos? No, you say, fine, how are you doing? And what do they say? They start telling you about the barium x-ray they had yesterday? No, they say, fine. I'm like, what? What's a barium x-ray? So I had to look that up. <laughs> and it's not pleasant, is it? <laughs> I know, it doesn't sound pleasant at all. What is it? Examination of the gastrointestinal tract. Used to diagnose abnormalities in the GI tract, such as tumors, ulcers, and other inflammatory conditions. So, no, I would say, yeah, I'm just fine. (laughs) Would you not? (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather the person just tell me fine than to know that's what they're doing. Yeah, that's seriously way too much information. Yes. And we have one chance to discuss all of this, right? Yeah. But yeah, back to the car talk. David is right. Maddie knows this about her father, but he doesn't have to tell her mom. She doesn't have to tell her mom. She doesn't need to disclose that information. It's like, just don't tell her. And then you don't have to deal with it. And your mom doesn't have to be sad and disappointed. As crazy as he can get with his ideas and his rants and stuff, he does make sense in a lot of these. Definitely. And they look like husband and wife here on the way to meet her parents, dealing with a life issue, giving each other advice, trying to pull her out of her bad mood and not wanting her to be upset anymore. Yeah, you've got a mouth, you've got a tongue. What do you think they're there for? Besides that, I mean. <laughs> Glenn. Oh, um, Glenn. <laughs> oh, the other thing they mentioned here, and, and Glenn mentioned it, this is the commentary, and Sybil was like, oh, I, I just was enjoying the scene and didn't even realize um, it was that poor man's process. A lot of times they're out on the streets driving around, filming in the streets of LA, like in the beginning they did, but not so much in the end. But this was the car in the studio with lights around it. So they filmed that on the studio lot, not driving around at night, which I guess wasn't usual for them at the time. And yeah, so it was like, oh, I didn't even notice it. So that's well done as well. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose the nighttime ones are easier to, well, you would think they'd be easier to film. You don't need a lot of backdrop, just a few lights going over the car. Yeah. Kind of like headlights are hitting the car and move past. Yeah. Yeah. Just really dark. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so they get to the restaurant finally, midnight or whatever time they got there <laughs> for the next day or who knows what. But the dad did say that they were waiting for them for a while. But How freaking hot do they look? Yep, they look hot. Now, a couple things, of course, I always think of that morning when they were filming that scene, they did an interview with Good Morning America with David Hartman, okay? And they're in costume for this episode. 
And they were at, um, I forget what hotel, the, oh, the Bellage, the Bellage Hotel, which isn't there anymore in LA. And maybe about three months ago, three or four months ago, someone put on YouTube 30 minutes of footage of Sybil and Bruce talking to each other before that interview started. Mm. So it's totally, totally them, just them, like Mike most of the time, and just talking as Sybil and Bruce, which is crazy. <laughs> Yeah. You're just like a fly on the wall listening to them talk about all sorts of things because Good Morning America is trying to set up this interview and they can't get the microphones working or something. They can't get something working. So they're sitting there for like over 30 minutes waiting for this interview and getting mic'd. And it's so interesting to watch. And so it was the same day that they filmed this. We put it on YouTube. So I'll send you the link because they're just talking about lots of things. And it's interesting also just because you can see how they were really... They didn't really know they were being filmed because the interview yeah, hadn't started. I don't think so. Right. Yeah. They're lucky they didn't say anything bad. <laughs> Bruce yes. was more aware of it. Uh, Sybil would start talking about something and he was like, they should be getting this conversation and kind yeah. of like swaying her from saying like something. But it's a total role reversal because Sybil yes. is kind of being bad and body and saying like David Addison type things. And Bruce is like, no, Sybil, right. no, stop. Interesting. <laughs> you know? I'll have to check it, that out. Oh, it's it's so interesting because it's like on you, it's on our YouTube ever, channel. You can have a look. Yeah. When do we ever get to, to see them? I mean, she's talking about over the weekend, she went to buy furniture and you know, just shopping, just like Monday and like everyday things. And he's talking, oh, she said, Oh, how did Seagram's go? And he goes, Yeah, yeah, they're they're gonna come meet with me. I think they want me to do it. And yeah, they're just talking about things that are going on in their lives, really. It's interesting. So anyway, that was the day they were filming here at this Bellage Hotel and having this dinner and all of that. So that was a gem behind um, that. It was a gem. Yeah. It's crazy. Like someone just randomly put it up. I don't know even know where they got that. Nice. You know, someone maybe used to work for the show or something. I mean, it's on tape, you know, I mean, this right. is 86. So it's like someone would have to cut that. And yeah, it was a gift. Anyway, it was like, um, it was found on YouTube or whatever. It was the 33rd birthday of the beginning of moonlighting or something. And, and like, suddenly we find this random footage. Really funny. Interesting. Really I know. Cool. Yeah, I'll send it to you. So anyway, yeah, they get there and Maddie doesn't. And she's like, I can't do this. You know, I mean, suddenly it hits her that she's going to have to tell her mom that they know the father's cheating on her. She, I think she's just thinking of that conversation she's going to have to have with her mother when they walk into the restaurant. And David makes a joke about the cockroaches. And she says she wants to leave. And he says, OK. And then she says they can't. And they finally get to the table. <laughs> I was very proud of her for wearing her heels, even though they're not in shot. Yeah, you do see them later, though, when she goes to the restroom. Yeah. With her mom. You can yeah. see the heels. But yeah. you can hear them oh, okay. when they first enter yeah. or something. And, oh, that's good. <laughs> she's very good. But you can tell because of their height. You can tell when she's not wearing them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's like what's not being said at the table, right? There's, like, the elephant in the room. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's what I wrote. I love the silent moments in this scene because you know what's yeah. going on in, in, in their heads, all of them. <laughs> yes, you know, more in the unsaid than the said. And her dad's kind of oblivious. Maddie's kind of being, you know, feeling out her mom and seeing how her mom is feeling. And like David said, I wouldn't miss this from all the money in the world. Like David's there for the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he really wants to be there for Maddie, really. Yeah. He's pretending yeah. he doesn't care, but he, oh, yeah. he does want to be there for her. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So Mr. Hayes, 
senses that there's something going on and he says did somebody die that I don't know about something you're not telling me yeah yeah he can tell that yeah everyone's kind of in a weird mood one thing that always sticks out what do you think about how everyone's sitting around the table well it's half booth and then like two chairs that the guys are sitting on which I always think is kind of a weird configuration they couldn't all sit in the booth (laughs) I don't know why I noticed that but Yeah. I mean, I just assume that's how it was set up at the restaurant. It seems like a LA thing to me that you'd have someone where extra people could sit there, but I probably, it's just a filming thing. Mm. Probably easier to see everybody. Angles. Yeah. yeah. Yes. True. So yeah, Mr. Hayes, uh, we kind of talked about the scene a little bit before, but he is, um, you know, this is when I was saying he was compartmentalizing what was going on in his, his life outside the family. I guess, you know, he's trying to make it a real family affair. You know, he orders an expensive bottle of champagne. He has an expensive gift for his wife. He's toasting to Maddie and her partner. Yeah, I call that the guilt present. (laughs) Yes. He says something like, I hope I'm, you know, could be deserving of the love that you've given me all these years. And and then, of course, he asks about the lying, cheating rapscallion that they're, um, you know, and Maddie chokes on her champagne. <laughs> oh, my God, that cop sounded terrible. <laughs> yeah, she actually did give a, a real yeah. cough, it yes. sounded like. Actually, the last I did one, notice that. Towards the end, it was like, oh, God. I wonder if she did choke on the champagne. <laughs> I don't Maybe know. she did. Maybe she did, yeah. So what uh, lying, cheating rapscallion... Are you following now? <laughs> you can dress her up, but you can't take her out. <laughs> yes, definitely. When she chokes on the champagne, she kind of plays it off like nothing, boring day, just paperwork, you know, nothing, et cetera, et cetera. And now Mrs. Hayes is downing that champagne glass after glass. And he says, careful, the bubbles will go, go to your head. And she says, that's just where I want them. Mm. Like she's trying to manage her stress, you know, anxiety about the whole thing. Because now Maddie knows about the situation, but they had a good time last night. I don't know what she's thinking about all that, but soon she's going to go to the restroom and Maddie goes with her. I like how Mr. Hayes toasts his wife and his daughter and her partner. May they flourish in their pursuit of truth and justice. Mm -hmm. Interesting words. (laughs) Yeah. Little does he know. Yeah. I love and her makeup in this scene. She looks beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Her hair, her dress. She yeah. doesn't need a lot of jewelry. And her lashes. I love her lashes in this scene. She looks gorgeous. But yeah. she always looks gorgeous anyway. But I just thought I'd mention that. Yes, exactly. So when uh when Maddie and her mom go to the restroom, this is a great scene with uh, Eva Marie Satan and Sybil, and they do some overlapping dialogue. Yeah. It's usually for Maddie and David to do, but they have this overlapping dialogue where the mom is starting to talk about the wedding the night before and the dancing and how when they were young, they would go dancing every Saturday night. And last night was just like that. And kind of, you know, without directly saying it again, it's all kind of between the lines. Forget what I said to you, Maddie, I'm going to ignore it. And, you know, just remember that we have a nice relationship and whatever else is happening, I'm not going to really address It's a a nice scene how the camera is actually the mirror. Yeah, that's true. And it's a great way for them to both face the camera while they're talking. Right. I was thinking about that. I wondered if they did that to make it easier for Eva Marie Saint to have to do both at the same time. 
so they could take it in one shot instead of like mm. with David and Maddie, they cut back and forth a lot. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yes. yeah, that's it, true. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good and way it, to do it. Yeah. So it's like she's looking in the mirror, but she uses her compact anyway. Like she looks at yeah. the mirror in the compact as well. Um, yeah. But it's just great writing in this scene. They're both talking. There's a lot being said, but the truth is not coming out. The mother doesn't want it to come out. She knows what Maddie's going to say. And she just goes into how wonderful their life used to be. And they loved to dance. And he was wearing his tuxedo. We just danced all night and we loved it. And Maddie stops. She's like, my mother's happy. He loves mm-hmm. her. She loves him. It's a great scene without actually saying anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Your father is a wonderful dancer. Yes, isn't he? Yes. You know, I remember when we were dating, starting to date, and it was, well, it was on Michigan Avenue. There was a little uh, club, um, Club Flamingo, or was it Club Casablanca? I don't know. It was one of those awful names. And we were there every Saturday night. Last night was wonderful. Last night was just like that. Yep. Last night was wonderful. Last night was just like that. And kind of like David said in the car, maybe she remember those words, like, just... Don't tell her. She's happy. And let's just let well enough alone. Yeah. She doesn't want to break her mother's heart. And I think the mother is clearly telling her, I don't want to know. Yeah. Right. And I love that scene. It's a great scene. Yeah. No, it's great. Great scene. David and Alexander have a little, what did Alexander say? They'll be in there a while. And he's like, I don't think it's going to take that long. (laughs) And you know what I love about this scene? He says, sir, I don't think it's going to take that long, sir. Oh, I don't really think it's going to take that long, sir. The 80s. It's <laughs> all very, res- everything's very respectful and wearing respectful. suits wherever you go. Yes, everyone's right. always in a suit. And who dresses up like this for dinner, you know, anymore? We can't get anyone out of stretchy clothes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no one's wearing a gown to dinner and a suit and a I mean, fur. The other, day, the other day, I saw a, a woman go to an ATM in her pajamas. Yeah. Oh, you saw my mom? <laughs> Just, it's just a joke. <laughs> We're just having fun. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Anyway, they come back to the mm. table. It's great how the men stand up when the ladies come back to the table. Another eighties yeah. thing. The yeah. age of chivalry. There's yeah, lots of lots of signs of respect. Chivalry, yeah. And uh, David says, "How did it all come out in there? Mm. It didn't." And I love how he goes, I love how he goes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How did it come out in there? It didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know, that's great too. That's some really good dialogue between them or just quick little knowing moment. But you know, when she walks back with her mother, instead of the mother going into the booth, she walks in front of the camera behind David. Did you notice that? So she well, goes around her husband's well. side of the booth. Oh, okay. And that was no, to get notice. her out the way so that Maddie could talk to David. Oh, yeah. Interesting. All these little things. Yeah, camera kind of leads right into Maddie and David with that. Come join our Facebook community at Fans of Moonlighting the Podcast and our Instagram community at Moonlighting the Podcast. So then, yes, they finished dinner. They're out in the lobby saying how <laughs> nice a dinner they had. <laughs> yeah, Gracie, you look like you have something to say here. I just love this scene. It's a walk and talk with all four of them. Yeah. They had a great time and he's still calling him Padre. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You're more than welcome, Padre. And Mrs. Hayes is clearly tipsy. 
and David tells her the joke about the ventriloquist. And yeah. I love how she laughs in this. It's so good. Thanks for a great dinner, Mr. Hayes. You're more than welcome, Padre. See what I mean, Maddie? We don't talk very much anymore. Well, that's not true. We talk all the time. Oh, you're right. We talk all the time. We talk in our sleep. It's just that I'm not always awake to hear it. Did you hear the one about the ventriloquist who talked in his sleep? His wife had to go in the next room to hear anything. <laughs> Listen, hey. It's like she's really genuinely laughing at the joke, you know. <laughs> she might have she might have heard it like 20 times before. Yeah, that's true. Because you don't know how many takes they did. But yeah, I, I like this scene. Yes. But Maddie is very pensive and she's still not happy about the situation. Yeah. Virginia is still making it clear. I guess, you know, it's just uh, kind of some conversation between husband and wife about how they never talk anymore. You're hearing so a little bit like she's still not totally satisfied with what's going on in their relationship, even though she's deciding to ignore the affair and move on, you know, you know, making it clear that they don't talk anymore like they used to. You know? yeah, so the conversation is a stepping stone to what actually happens outside later. Yeah. Yes. And David says he'll walk Virginia to her hotel room and because Maddie's dad wants to take a walk to walk off some of the food. Yeah. So David takes Virginia, walks her to her room. Maddie goes with her dad. and. The big scene, the big eruption, Maddie's anger rears its ugly head again. (laughs) And this was, again, another scene where there's hardly any dialogue. All Maddie says is, you're not even good at it. She's known all along. That's all she says. Mm -hmm. It's that is such great writing because they don't need to say anything else, you know, I think Big Man on Mulberry Street is Sybil's best acting in the series, but this has got to be second best. I mean, she's so great in that scene. She's giving it all and doesn't really say much. Yep. You know, and does he even have a line? I think he just says Maddie, 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 or whatever while she's beating him. But you don't need to write these long things to get a point across. We know what's going on. And, and, um, beautiful scene just mm-hmm. incredible we just understand why she does it too you know right. i think they would be fearful today like if she starts hitting your dad i mean no one's gonna understand that you know or something it would i couldn't see it being done today right you know? yeah everyone understands why she's hitting her dad yeah it was written well i mean she already had steam coming out of her ears before they walked out so by him saying what he was saying only made it worse he was, woe is me, woe is me. Well, no, yeah. it's not woe is you. Yeah. Um, and that just made her more angry. And what about mother? What about what, what? And she starts hitting him. Do you know how many times she hits him? Have you counted? No, Grace we have counted. You Grace has counted. Count for it? I'm going to guess 14. Nope. 22. <laughs> no, she hits him 18 times. And then one at the end. So 19 in total. One more at the end. That was great. One more for the road. Yeah. I mean, wow, that's a lot of hitting your father. That's a lot of anger. (laughs) And there's things flying everywhere. I don't even know what those. It's been maybe seven or eight. So I don't know what all those things were flying everywhere. I don't know what it was. And then right at the end, she stops. She looks down. I don't know why. Did you notice that? Uh, I think everything was flying out of her purse or the purse fell apart. I think some things like maybe fell on the ground, maybe. Yeah, so because at the end she goes to leave and then stops and looks and then goes off again. Oh, okay. 
I can't remember if it was in the commentary or not, but I somewhere, either I read it or it was in the commentary, Sybil was afraid to hit him. And Glenn said, just go for it because the audience is going to be right behind you. And Robert Weber said, yeah, let me have it. You know, oh, so, that's good. Yeah, were, so anyway, yeah, it's great commentary. It's one of my favorite ones. But you're right, Scott. We know when she says, you know, what really stinks, dad, is that you're not even good at it. Yeah, you're right. That's all she has to say. Right. I just don't know what's with her. There's nothing with mother. Well, the way she was drinking at dinner. Look, I, I'm not looking for pity, but sometimes it's all I can do to... What? Maddie? It's all you can do to... What? What? Maddie? 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 What is the matter with you? What? What? Maddie? You know really stinks, Dad? And you're not even good at it. She's known! She's known all along! In other words... Yeah. I know too. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. You know. We all know. We all know. Yeah. We all know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's great into the scenes, yeah. just left on the ground, contemplating his life. Yep. And then we get that shot again of Sybil in bed. <laughs> the, one, <laughs> the one that they keep reusing. <laughs> oh. I don't know if you know this or not. They actually use that same clip in The Sun Also Rises. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A lot of people. No way. No, it's true. I don't think you're right about that. No, check it. You can see the ridges. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to pull it up right now. Yeah, I would. I'd I'd bring the whole podcast to a dead stop (laughs) and watch those scenes. Fact check. (laughs) Just to be sure. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Move okay. over, Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so, oh, then the next scene is the her with her mom. Yep. 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 So yeah. she wakes up the next morning, and um, she's thinking. We think the next morning. Sorry. Well, it is the next right. morning because she's having breakfast with her mother. But her mom, she says something about a couple nights ago. She does, but I think that was about. Oh, that's right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, but I don't think it was definitely last night because she said the dad didn't sleep all night. That's true. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, those little time problems in the lighting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's It's one of those. It's something mixed, but I I believe it's the next morning. Yes. Okay. Sorry, Grace. Go on. No, that's right. Yeah. And I love it when they use the effects of a thunderstorm and rain and like they do in Witness. It's really good. Um, Did you notice something? It's not a goof, but there's not many goofs in this episode. But when she walks into the lobby of the hotel, she parks the car, the valet Mm -hmm. drives the car off. She walks in. Do you notice something? I didn't. I didn't notice something. I only noticed it last night. I thought, what? The one thing I noticed is that one of the extras looks at her. There's a guy in the background, and yeah. I don't think he's an extra. I was wondering couldn't possibly be. The woman walks in first. Maddie parks a car. The guy gets into her car. But there's a guy that all of a sudden appears in the background, and he's like, I don't know. Oh. It just, I, I reckon it was a random. Because when the, the electronic doors open, she walks in, and the guy moves over a bit to see what's going on as if, oh, he can see cameras or something. No. No, I didn't notice. I didn't, yeah. Mm. I don't know if we're talking about the same guy. I, I saw a guy walk, you know, he like looked back at her. 
but no, I don't know. No, no, this is a okay. guy in the top left-hand corner of the screen. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah it, you know, he probably worked at the hotel and was like, hey, they're filming. Yeah. What are they doing? <laughs> well, you know, anyway. one thing that I noticed in the scene with her mother is that um, that's ends up being the credit picture of Sybil. The credit picture? Later on. Oh, really? That's I really think that's that when she when the mom and her, it's just the shot of her. I was like, I'm pretty mm. sure that becomes the mm. picture, the credit picture. I could be wrong, but that I didn't double check it. So <laughs> do we need to double check? No. OK, I just I feel like it really because she's wearing the pink blouse. I feel like where it says simple. Um, for a while, they use the pilot images and then they right. change it, then they right? Change. So, yes. So you're saying when it changes, you think this is the picture they're using. Yeah, it could be possible. Yep. Or it does look like that. You have to check it. Okay. Other thing we've got to right check. Now. Right out the list, Shauna. Yes, I know. All these things. Of course. First one I pull Not up. Not in season three. I looked in season three. So I could be wrong, but I really felt like um, it looked like it to me, but I'm probably on drugs, so... <laughs> Oh, we'll find out. You know, there's always ways. Yeah, and looking at it, it's she's in the fur coat in season three. So I'm probably wrong. It just looked so familiar to me, that shot of her. Yeah, we always say that why does she need these fur coats in LA? She's always wearing a fur coat when she goes out. Right. <laughs> oh my god, I know. Her yeah. style. You'd be so hot. That's a beautiful white one she's wearing though at the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, she has some nice furs. Yeah. Again, persona non grata today. Be wearing right. all the- We're going to assume that they're faux fur. Faux fur. Yeah. I'm sure they were. Yeah, they would be. I think they were real back then. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. they were real. Yeah. They were, real. Yeah. <laughs> they were certainly real. Yeah. Okay. So she has a nice conversation with her mom and, you know, again, some insight uh, into Maddie about her being a door slammer and that look on her face reminded her of when she was younger. And we get a nice back of their life yeah it felt like a real mother-daughter conversation again not you know a lot between the lines you know it's a little bit of an awkward situation now because well they kind of do that thing where it's like mom i think he's a good man you know so they're talking about it without talking about it yeah right and her mom's like i want you to do something for me maddie you know or did you and your father get into something the other night because he didn't sleep and yeah again here i guess is you know to go back to what you were saying earlier scott this is when it's like they're going to just sweep it under the rug and not call him on it and not, he's not going to have to pay for what he's done. He's not going to be punished. She's just going to get away with it. And they're going to let him get away with it because he's a good guy. And if he cheated, then maybe it did deserve a little love on the side or I don't know, you know? Oh, I've got, I've got another little piece of trivia. Yeah. You know, the woman, the waitress that was serving them, that gave him a cup of coffee when she's having breakfast with her mom. Yes. You wouldn't believe who she is. She's actually in another episode of Moonlighting, but I'm not going to tell you which one. Do you remember the the album cover of Supertramp where there's a, a woman in a waitress dress holding a glass of orange juice? It was called Breakfast in America. I don't know it. And you know, I don't. Yeah, well, that was her. Oh, she's on the a cover of a Supertramp album. Yeah, she's on the cover of the Supertramp album. I cool. love Supertramp. Cool. Then we go up to Papa's yeah. room. 
And the shot of her sitting on the bed where she looks like a little kid is incredible. And it made me think about how they put her on the side of the bed in Big yeah. Neal Mulberry Street again. Yeah. Sign. Oh, similar yeah. thing. I thought the same thing. And I thought that was really cool. And this yeah. scene did choke me up. And I think it's just because I did get to know Sybil and a little bit and have genuine affection for her. And she really seems to be crying. She's not acting crying. She's really going through something in that scene with him. You can tell it's real. When he says, I didn't want to fall asleep because I didn't want to die and for you to hate me. Mm. I mean, when you think of all the jokes Glenn wrote and then to write that line. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, uh, incredible. I agree. It was really powerful. I tear up every time he says that in the commentary again, Sybil started crying when she watched that scene again. She said she wasn't sure if she was going to be able to cry. But as soon as he said that, it just came. Yeah, it is. It's really powerful. And yeah, there's just something about that. Like, I didn't want to fall asleep because I was afraid I was going to die. And if I died thinking you hate me. Yeah, I mean, it's just relatable, super relatable. They're both really so authentic in this scene. It's so touching and it really shows that it was a really close family and they were able to talk about things and he says it's over, yeah. that's it, it's over now. He's realised he's done the wrong thing and, yeah. wow, powerful performance by Sybil. For what it's worth, I uh, I didn't sleep a wink last night because I was afraid I'd fall asleep and if I fell asleep I'd die and if I died... Knowing that you hate me. I don't hate you. It's over, Maddie. It's all over, really. I love you, Daddy. I love you, really. Really, I do. It's all over. All of it. It will never happen again. I think that... A lot of people talk about how Moonlighting really suffered between no one knew if it was a comedy or a drama. And back in the 80s, that was very important. Now it's not so important. You know, I mean, no one really cares. But I think that's what hurt Sybil winning an Emmy that year, because she certainly should have. I mean, she probably should have won every year, of course. But I'm saying, like, when you think of the acting she did in this episode, it's mind-boggling that that you wouldn't win for that. And yeah. Robert Weber should certainly have won for Best Guest Star. And um, yep. he didn't. Absolutely. I think Sybil is disappointed that she didn't win an Emmy, and both of her co-stars did. Uh, her co-star in um, Sybil and Bruce won one, and I think that is a sticking point for her. You know, And she, I think she deserved it whether for this episode or a few others. You know, what's funny is Sybil did win a Golden Globe. And when we were talking, she mm-hmm. showed me her Golden Globe and it's broken. Oh, it, it's, why? it's come apart. It's, it's just, oh. she said, see, she's like, awards don't even last. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, it's just like it, it's crumbling made. or whatever. And so oh my gosh. funny. Wow. Mr. Hayes sees what pain he's caused and what it's done to his daughter. And beautiful scene. The lighting was great too. A little different to Mulberry Street. The Mulberry Street one in the hotel room was amazing. The more lighting. Of, more of a silhouette look, but yeah, it was great. Yes. 
Oh, can I just quickly talk about Eva Marie Saint? She's yep. 98, God bless her. Wow. There was a so recent like, photo with um, Sybil and her. They were at a charity event together and they sat next to each other. And she's an East Coaster. She's from Newark, New Jersey. And she was famous for doing the waterfront in 1954. And of course, Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest, which I've spoken about before. And she did Exodus. Yeah, she's 98. And she's got two stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Two. Yeah. One for motion pictures at 6624 Hollywood Boulevard and one for television at 6730 Hollywood Boulevard. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, one more thing, a little bit of trivia about her. She won her Academy Award for On the Waterfront while still living in New York. She was enticed to move to Hollywood in 1955. Thus, she may be the only actress to arrive in Hollywood as an Academy Award winner. Mm. Wow. <laughs> How funny. Yeah. Maddie went back to the office. Yeah, so she walks out of the elevator, but it's no feet elevator, so no feet again. She walks out of the elevator with her big Jackie O glasses. Yes, those big dark glasses, which isn't Maddie-like. I mean, she's obviously, maybe she's been crying. Why, does, why is she wearing the big glasses? She doesn't normally have her big glasses on inside. You think she was crying? or Well, she was crying with her dad. Yeah. Maybe I think she was, was just being melancholy in the car. I think they're probably trying to show that she's had a bad day and maybe she has been crying. Yeah. She's walking, you know, down the hall just slowly and methodically. Yeah, just kind of in thought, I guess. Yeah, she just seems like she's like deep in thought. I mean, she doesn't say hi to anybody. She doesn't acknowledge anybody. She walks right past David and Agnes. and She walks right past Mr. Pesto and, and he walks up to her and says, How things go with your parents? Went fine. Yeah. Ah, I didn't count that fine. That means it's eight. Oh, ain't fine. <laughs> yeah. So he's being really thoughtful and supportive when he says if she gets any calls, send them to my office. Sure thing, Mr. Addison. And that's really sweet of David to do that. Just thinking of um, Maddie, even if she's kind of being bitchy by not acknowledging him and just walking right past, he has a look of concern on his face. You know, he's just like, if she gets any, any calls, send them to me. So the scene in Maddie's office, there's no monologue. It's just her sitting in her chair thinking about the last couple of days and um, it's fade out, end scene. I thought that was a nice short little scene to to put in there. And now Sybil did say when, when, you know, the commentary, when she takes her glasses off and kind of shrugs, she says in that moment, you can see that she's forgiven her father. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. And then David pushes open the doors. That's long enough. Long enough? You have been sitting in here since 11.30 this morning. What do you say? You and I go out, eat too much, drink too much, get a little stupid. I love that mm-hmm. line. <laughs> I know. That is a great line. There are a lot of episodes where they talk about going out and having drinks and getting some dinner together and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, do these things happen? She doesn't say no. And they get up and they walk out together at the end of the episode. They're going somewhere. So they're like, yeah, do they go out and have dinner and drinks, things like that? Or yeah. the mind reels. The mind reels. And he's not singing boink, 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 boink. He's not being serious. He's talking about adopting her. She said the plane landed 20 minutes ago. And he said, oh, it did. And is everything okay? And she goes, as, as okay as it can be. Oh, then I 
guess we can forget about plan B. Plan B? Plan B. And what, pray tell us, plan B? Well, I saw the trouble you were having with your parents. And? and I was thinking of adopting you. Adopting me? Adopting you, yeah, it'd be great. I could bounce you on my knee. Really? Tell you stories at bedtime. Uh-huh. But I have my own room. Kids today, it's always gimme, gimme, gimme. I know. That's great. Yeah. Cheeky little dialogue. It's great ending. And he slams the door closed. I think there's only two door slams in this episode. Oh, really? Yeah. I think I'll count the one where he's dressed as the priest and he open, he slams open the doors. I'll count that and I'll count this one. So really there's only two door slams. I thought it was an incredible episode. It was better than I remembered. I knew it was a great episode but it was much more moving. I don't cover that episode in my book because I had to keep moving. Mm. And I kind of covered episodes by finding the author, you know, because I, I kind of built it around interviews. Mm-hmm. And I still think it was the right decision to keep it moving so you're, the story of the book moves. But when I watched it again, I was like, damn, I, it did make me think, like, I probably should have wrote more about it. But um, mm. but. I don't know. I thought it was great. One of the best. (laughs) It's a great book. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, if you don't have a copy, um, you should be running to get a real copy because that has the beautiful pages, the beautiful pictures. And it's just like a coffee table book, you know, something that you can have as a showpiece. And we've been taking meetings with other distributors and things to try to grow our company. And I will say that I was on a call with someone and they were looking at the books that we do at Fayetteville Mafia Press. And they said, you're just not very modern. Is anyone in the world interested in an oral history on moonlighting? And I thought it was funny because I thought, buddy, you should have looked at who wrote the book and who you're having a conversation with (laughs) at the time, like just as a business idea, maybe. Really? Before you speak. But that attitude is true. Like when we're having these calls, like a couple people had sort of been down on the Moonlighting book and and it was a struggle. I don't think a lot of bookstores carried it. So if you're out there, like pushing the word of the book does help. and And it also will help maybe to get Disney to stream and all those things. Because Kindle wise, it did hit number one. So people are interested Mm -hmm. in it. It was just hard to get the establishment. But I thought it was really funny. And obviously, we didn't move forward with them, not because I'm hurt that they didn't like moonlighting. But I just thought, you don't understand anything. Like, that's what I got from that. Like, if you don't know that people that moonlighting mattered, then probably we shouldn't be in business together anyway. But I just wanted to share that story with moonlighting people that, you know, that's sort of the attitude that I got about doing the book. And then someone else said, like, why would you waste doing good paper and in color? Like, that's a waste of money. And I said, because I wanted it to be beautiful. Mm. And that was like baffling to them. Like, why wouldn't you make more money? Oh, because I love something and I'm (laughs) showing my love and will come across to a reader, but um, don't listen so. to those people, Scott. Yeah, one thing I'm really good at is not listening to other people. Good. <laughs> <laughs> like I just do what I want, and I don't know how to be any other way. And I blame Glenn for that. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, he was your. I, I grew up wanting to be Glenn and and wanting to write like that. So, and David Addison had a big part of it. So, if you are interested, you can go to scottryanproductions.com and I sign the books. And um, there's my pitch for the book. <laughs> yes. Oh my God, it was longer than the episode. Uh, that's a Glenn said. It's Glenn always said, long. The podcast. Not everyone can stick around for two and a half hours plus a moonlighting, yeah, you know? Man. It's always longer than the episode. Yeah, Glenn said, these podcasts are longer than the actual episode. I said, I know, Glenn. Did you guys that's do an episode with Glenn or just interviewed Glenn? No, did it was you, just an interview. You, okay, that's good. Oh, no, yeah, he hasn't done a, an episode with us. Okay. So it's been great and yeah I, I think it was really interesting having the three of us if I don't say so myself um <laughs> on here <laughs> with nobody left by the way <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it wonderful yeah. guys yeah I mean what's up with Mary Beth why can't we get her to hang up <laughs> that's been as boring as we know how that's, oh, that's, that's your mom that's mom okay. Oh yeah. my gosh. So she's not listening anyway. And, no, um, she's not. She, she checked out a long time ago. She's watching the US Open. Right. Um, so then that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I really want to come back for Big Man on Mulberry Street. <laughs> we lost your mom. We lost your mom. You've upset her. <laughs> I said she wasn't listening and she stopped. No, I removed her. I said, bye bye, mom. <laughs> I mean, look at that. Yeah. Even her mom, mom was like, I, her mom was like, I can't hear yeah, her like, about it anymore. Yeah. I give you kudos, you know, like you say with our social media, I give you kudos for, you know, reaching out to all the people and getting all the um, interviews. But, I mean, it took me two years. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. It it's right hard. Away. It's not um, easy. I don't know. This was so much fun. I want to thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, it was great. Thank you so much for your time, for coming on. And yeah, I, I do think it adds, you know, it's nice to have a male perspective. It's nice to have another voice on the podcast. It's nice to do another live and just kind of mix things up. Whether, you know, we've got three or 30 people. I think at the end of the day with the body of work, it'll be nice to have a, a mix of episodes that we've done. Awesome. I'm big fans of both of you. So. Now we record the real podcast. Okay. Right. Yeah. Thank God he's gone. He doesn't have to bust my balls about Deborah Frank. Um, well, thanks, guys. I'm yeah, out thanks, Scott. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being our guest on the show. And um, you've given us a few, <laughs> few home truths. <laughs> well, I appreciate it and have, a, have so much fun. And now for part two. Planning <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. Bye. <laughs> Did you count the outfit changes? Let's see. Let me go through them. I got six. Six. Okay. So the white suit in the beginning. Yeah, I've got the white suit in the cold open. Yep. Okay. The pink nighty. Yep. The purple outfit in the office. Mm-hmm. That's funny. She has a different outfit on in the car. Okay, that's right. Beige. Okay, weird. Then she's wearing her fancy dress. Mm -hmm. And then she's wearing the outfit that she wears at the end. So that's six, right? Yep. The pajamas show up twice, but I didn't count that. So it's six. I've got six outfits. Yeah. Is this episode in your top 10? It is, Grace. It's in my top 10. God, that might be one of the first ones. 
that's in my top 10, don't you think? No, you've said a couple beforehand. Okay. Yeah, we've had two or three. I've got them written down somewhere. What about you? Is this in your top 10? Shauna, this is in my top 10. Woohoo! Woohoo! We both have it in our top 10, Grace. That's exciting. Yeah. In this episode, there were two door slams, six outfit changes. Bruce yeah. sang or whistled three times. There are no Agnes rhymes and there are no feet out of the elevator. So the episode had a cold open with Maddie and David, the show where everything is just fine. A letter from M. Zimmerman, an episode without a kiss in the script. Maddie in her silk sheets. We meet Maddie's parents for the first time. Agnes with her ear to the desk. David moonlighting as a padre. Padre gets a shiner. The client doing more banging than a screen door in a cyclone. David being all ears. Well, maybe not all ears. David meets Maddie's parents. An affair to forget. A prospective client called Montezuma's Revenge. David agreeing to disagree. Maddie stating that her mother's supposition that she's proposing is absurd and not worth supposing. David offering Maddie options of black and white smooth and satin finish. The Rolling Stones versus classical music. A BMW versus a Mercedes. David's impression of an Hispanic and the Stooges. A silhouette scene with some bad news. A five-pan bag of Oreos. A barium x-ray. A big F, a small I and a little B. Aunt Sophie, Cousin Suzette and Cousin Eddie. A diamond bracelet. Silent moments in a restaurant. Glasses of champagne. A lying, cheating rapscallion. Mrs Hayes getting a little tipsy. Endearing mother-daughter scenes. A joke about a ventriloquist. Maddie hitting her father 19 times. And yet another thunderstorm. We discover the hysterical nature is in the genes. A touching scene of Maddie making up with her father. The Jackie O glasses. A short scene with no dialogue. And David wanting to adopt Maddie to bounce her on his knee. I don't think that's what he wants to do. <laughs> <laughs> don't think so. We have so far 63 door slams. We have 10 feet out of the elevator and we still have 13.5 rhymes from Agnes. Yeah. What's next week's episode, Shauna? Next week's episode is a milestone episode from Maddie and David. It is season two, episode 15, Witness for the Execution. Yes, that's going to be a great episode to discuss because it's Maddie and David's first kiss. Thank you to our special guest, Scott Ryan. And thank you to all our Moonies that have joined us today. And we hope you join us for our next live event, which will be in 2023. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to, to Moonlighting, Moonlighting the Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.